And here is where the parallel comes to completion. And I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Mark writes Peter denying Jesus three times. But conversely, he writes Jesus submitting to the Father's will three times. And Mark is showing Jesus as the example of true submission. Hi, my name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. All right, let's go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We'll be continuing from last week when we were talking about the Passover, the last Passover that Jesus would uh, um, be participating in with his disciples before he left. I want to tell you a story real quick. A shipwrecked man managed to reach an uninhabited island. There to protect himself against the elements and to safeguard the few possessions he had salvaged, he painstakingly built a hut from which he constantly and prayerfully scanned the horizon for the approach of a ship. Now, returning one evening after a search for food, he was terrified to find that the hut was completely enveloped in flames. Yet by divine mercy, this hard affliction was changed into a mighty advantage. Early the the following morning, he woke to find a ship anchored off the island. And when the captain stepped ashore, he explained, we saw your smoke signal and we came as quick as we could. Everything the maroon man owned had to be lost and destroyed before he could be rescued. Isn't that powerful? And that is like our lives sometimes. Sometimes it takes our plans being completely torn apart to be saved from our own devices. I mean, I've had many times in my life where I've tried my hardest to work out a plan I've tried my hardest to put all the puzzle pieces together. And God was saying, hey, follow me. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but I think I got this worked out. And in the midst of that, it's like, okay, well, God's like, you can do what you want, but trust me, it's, it's not going to work. And what I end up trying just fails. But it gets me to a place where I'm humble, and, and Jesus is like, okay, but now you can be rescued. Now you can look to me. Just like the guy in the story, he could have been like, oh, cool, a ship came. Well, that's cool. You guys can go on. But what happens is Jesus is the one to say, hey, I know you've lost everything, but come to me. Let me help rescue you. Let me help love you. And today, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about our plans and how we make them and how we should respond to what God has for us, how we should look at making plans moving forward. And we're going to be in Mark 14, verses 26 to 42. And we're going to be following the story of Peter and the story of Jesus and how they, too, differ on dealing with the plan that Jesus has set for them or the Father has set for them. Before we get into it, let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for giving us a plan for our life. And I know that we're probably, like, 
We want to know the specifics, God. We want to know exactly how to do everything every single day. Uh, But Lord, sometimes you don't tell us all the specifics. You just give us one day at a time. And that makes it hard for us because we just want to know every little thing. But when we don't have all the specifics, Lord, help us not to, to wander. Help us not to... Uh, become complacent and just try things to, to get our way, to, to move it forward. Um, help us be patient. Help us to, to wait. Help us to look to your word for how to deal with life. So God, help us to be humble and to glorify you with everything we do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, uh, today, I want us to see the importance of submitting ourselves to God's plan and how Jesus was the perfect model of that. So I'm going to call this sermon, The Great Submission. The Great Submission. So let's start uh, Mark 14, verse 20, 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So the first thing I want us to see in in this scripture Um, here is that Jesus starts out this whole thing by sharing his plan. The whole thing by sharing his plan. So here we have disciples going to the foot of the Mount Olives, and the the book of John actually says that this was a normal ritual for them. They did this um, every Passover. They went over, and they probably did more than that. They went to to this place to pray and to get alone. Um, But Jesus this time went with a, a different purpose, um, and at the foot of the mount was a, a garden, which is very interesting that Jesus went and prayed with, with God in a garden. Where was the first place that God was? In a garden with Adam and Eve. And Jesus is praying in a garden with his father. 
And this is, uh, so he's praying, and they're, walk, uh, they're going to go pray, and Jesus is walking with them. But Jesus starts to reveal something to them. He says, hey guys, here's the plan, okay? You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now, this probably wasn't a huge surprise to them because Jesus had told them multiple times that I'm going to die. But this part right here was probably discouraging because now he says, not only will I die, you all will fall away. And this actually comes from Zechariah 13.7, which says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. And so when Jesus is telling him this bad news, he's actually fulfilling prophecy. And he's also saying, hey guys, I'm God's shepherd in, in the prophecy. And this is about to be fulfilled. Get ready. But he doesn't leave the disciples there. He actually does this. He continues and says, but after I am raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, I can imagine the disciples hearing the very first verse and then stop listening, not hearing anything else after that. But this is good news. And they didn't listen to the second part um, because Jesus is saying, look, I know that it's hard that we'll be separated because you're going to be separated from me and you're going to fall away, but know that I will meet up with you again after I rise. Simple as that. And we have them coming back together. Actually, in the book of Matthew, it says, Matthew 18, 16 through 20. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. There we go. His words being fulfilled. To the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So back to Mark 14. In, instead of the disciples listening to everything happening, they skip over and they say, You know what? Wait, 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 wait. Peter's like, what are you talking about? I don't want to be separated from you. But Jesus, he says three things in his phrase. He says first, with his, um, he says, which is most obvious, that Jesus will be raised from the dead. Okay? The second thing is that the disciples will survive Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And the third, the disciples will be restored to fellowship after failure and will be united again with their master in Galilee. But Peter wasn't listening at all. Peter was only listening to the first part. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my own children. I have a child, I'm not going to name which one, where one child will ask a question, will answer it. And right after that, another child will ask the exact same question because all they heard was the question. And then we'll stop and be like, um... Did you just hear the answer to that question? I'm like, oh, no. What, what was it? I'm like, I just answered that. Are you listening? And all they did was listen to the thing that was most important to them, was the, the question, and the thing that struck them the most. But here we have Peter doing the same thing. 
And when he hears that this plan, that he's going to be scattered, he stops and he says, I, I can't deal with this. No, God, you're wrong. So Peter denies Jesus' plan. In verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. I will not. He jumps in and decides that Jesus' plan is not the best way. Sound familiar? Have, you, have we ever done that before? He says that my plan is better than yours. And Peter's done this before, where Jesus said, I'm going to die. And, and Peter's like, no, don't do that. You can't do that. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter does not want to submit to Jesus' plan. And why would he? I mean, think about this. You've known this guy for three years. You've seen the love that he has for you. You want to be dedicated to him. Who wants to, to be like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave you. No, his, I think his, his heart was, I, I want to stay with you. But Jesus was saying, no, this is, this is going to be hard. This is what needs to happen. He didn't say, get behind me, Satan, again. Actually, he responds in this way. He says, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Jesus took it a step further. And he says, not only will you fall away with the rest of the disciples, but you're going to deny me. And we can all see that Peter wasn't having any of this because right after that, he snaps back and he says emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same, which is interesting. They all said the same. I wonder why Jesus didn't go back. Oh, you're all going to deny me three times. He didn't say that. He just said for Peter. Um, Peter is not going to submit to the plan that Jesus had. And since Peter wasn't about to give up his plan, I bet you're wondering the next thing. If he wasn't going to give up his plan, why did he do exactly what Jesus said? Was like Jesus forcing him to deny him three times after that? I don't think so. And I think what happened was Jesus knew Peter. Jesus knew how Peter was going to respond to falling away. Just like you know your kids, you know your siblings, you know, if I say this, this way to this person, this is going to happen. How much more did Jesus know Peter, the one who created him? Um, and so when, G, when Peter said no to this plan, no to what you're doing, God, what you're doing, Jesus, he did two things. First thing he did is he made God a liar. He gave, made God a liar. And that's what we do. When we say, God, I know your plan is awesome, but I have a little, something a little bit better because I, I think I know what's right. We make God a liar. And we do that by, by sinning. And actually, First uh, John talks about this. First John 1.10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him, we make God a liar. And his word is not in us. The word of God helps us to know his plan. And when we say, God, your word is wrong. I want to twist it. I want to turn it. I want to make it what I want. We make God a liar. We make God a liar. And, and God's like, well, I, want, I want what's best for you. Why are you twisting things and making me a liar? You guys have seen kids do that before. Where one will fight with another one. It's like, no, you're lying. No, you're lying. No, you're lying. We're doing that with God. That doesn't work. We can't make God a liar. Even, but in our own minds that we can, we can do that. 
But still, in the back of our mind, we know what is right. We have a conscience. We have the Spirit telling us what's right and wrong. And so James 4, 17 so, says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We know that God has asked us to do something. And it could be specific as, um, hey, I want you to share the gospel with this person. Like, oh, God, I can't. I can't. I can't get past the, hey, how you doing? I, I can't even say hi. Or I, how do I get into it? I don't know what to do. Or I don't want to spend the time building that relationship. Or this person just, they've done something terrible to you. It's like, God's like, hey, forgive them. It's like, oh, I, I can't do that. I know that's the right thing to do, but I can't do that. And God's like, well, you're not listening to me. You're letting yourself make God a liar by saying sinning is okay. And when we do that, the second thing is we make ourselves bigger than God. The first thing is that we make God a liar, and then we make ourselves bigger than God. We start worshiping ourselves. We start worshiping how we want things to be done. And Peter just did that here. He's saying, no, I think I know what's better. I think... And, and, but Peter knows better. He was with Jesus when he calmed the storm. He was with Jesus when Peter took a step out into the water. He knows the power. He knows what Jesus can do. And still, he said, I'm going to make myself bigger than you. But even though Peter re- rejected Jesus' plan, it didn't stop the plan from happening. And, and I pause here. Because um, I'm not saying that God is going to control you to do his plan. But this plan was very specific to Jesus coming, living perfectly, dying and rising. That was the specific plan that Peter was trying to say, no, no, it's not going to happen that way. And Jesus was like, yes, it will. Because I've seen in my own life, if, if God has asked me to do something and I don't do it, he wants to bless me and be a part of that, but when I don't do it, he can ask one of, you know, one of you guys to do it. When it comes to doing something that, you know, like sharing the gospel or giving something to someone, but when we don't do what God says for ourselves, how we treat one another, how we care for one another, we end up hurting them in the end. And God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to follow his plan, unlike Peter tried to deny it. So we have Peter being given a plan, skipping over the first, uh, skipping to the, the second half of the plan, saying, I'm in control, don't do this. But he, Peter still follows what Jesus said is going to happen. And we move on from there. Uh, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So picture this. Disciples, they're going with him to the garden. They get into the garden. Somewhere, at, probably near the entrance, I guess, he says, hey, disciples, stay here and pray. Hey, my favorite three, come on, come this way. All right, we're going to go in a little further. Sit down. All right, I want you to, to watch and pray. 
I'm going to go a little further. And we see here where Jesus falls on his face, falls on his face. And he prays this prayer and says that not my will, but your will be done. Now, before we get into some parallels, I want, you, I want to talk about the will that, that God wants in this. Jesus gave his plan for Peter. God gave his plan for Jesus. And the plan was that he would save the whole world from sin and death. But to do so, he would have to come to this earth. He would have to suffer and die on a cross and rise again on the third day. And Jesus had shared this plan on multiple occasions to his disciples. But the time was here. The time was here. And when he fell down on his, on his face, he pleads with the Father that the hour is coming that it may pass from him. I mean, many people had tried to kill him before, but this was the time. And you're probably asking, well, is Jesus, since he is God, why does he have a different will in this? Why would he say, may this cup pass from me if this was God's plan? Um, I think just... In, Instinctly, no one really wants to die. And I think this is even more true with Jesus in the sense of he didn't do anything to die. He didn't sin. Death was not something that he was going to experience because he was perfect. And so here he's saying, you know what? I'm fighting against my flesh. And you're probably like, wait, he fights against his flesh? Yeah. Jesus was in the um, wilderness being tempted by Satan. If there was nothing involved except for his perfection, then there's no temptation. Him just saying no. And actually, he comes back to the disciples and he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, Jesus conquered his desire and his flesh to say, okay, I'm not going to do this plan, God. But he he followed through. Because what Jesus did, he said, I'm going to submit and trust you. I'm going to submit and trust you. The will of the Father. It's hard to do that, isn't it? It's hard to say, God, I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to help me through this. I know you're going to walk through this with me. But Jesus didn't deny God's plan. Jesus didn't deny God's plan. And actually, if you look back at the text, this happened three times. Three times. Father, take this cup from me, but it ended with not my will, but your will be done. And here's where the parallel comes to completion. And I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Mark writes Peter denying Jesus three times. But conversely, he writes Jesus submitting to the Father's will three times. And Mark is showing Jesus as the example of true submission. Jesus as the example of true submission. And, and specifically in two ways. Um, Jesus asked, when it comes to submission, Jesus asked for the plan to change, but he didn't demand it, like Peter did. Peter's like, no, that's not going to happen. Jesus is like, hey, this is what I'm going through, God, but I trust you. I trust you in the end. I know that you know what's best for me. He humbled himself and let God take care of the rest. And the second thing he did, even in his suffering, he submitted to God's plan. 
There's one thing of knowing what's coming, but suffering, feeling the anguish he was talking to his disciples, he was, he was heavy. Maybe you guys have been there where you're heavy with something. There's a weight on your shoulders and you don't know what to do. And you say, oh, God, help me. And he says, okay, we'll do this. You're like, really? I mean, this is really hard to just get through this day. And he's like, you want me to go an extra step and, and love a person this way? Or, or change my actions? And he's like, yeah, I want you to. And Jesus, even in his suffering, he submitted to God's plan. And so after going to the Father three times, um, Jesus returns to his disciples. Um, he said, and he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping, taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. Jesus, the Son of God, was walking out the last few hours of God's plan for him, trusting him to the very end and beyond. And that's the story. Pretty simple. And a lot of stories in the Bible are simple. Trust God. Don't trust yourself. Simple model. Um, but what can we do? What can we take away from this passage? Um, I think there's two things that we can take away. Okay? Submit to God's plan even when we don't want to submit. And I have seen this struggle in myself. I see it very blatantly in my kids sometimes, um, especially my youngest one who loves to tiptoe over the line and look at me, and I say, Mm, you're dead, you know? I say, don't do that. And they're like, do what, this? I'm like, yes, that exact thing. Get over here, you know? Jesus, he showed us that submitting to God is submitting even when you don't want to. And James actually writes about this. Um, James 4, 13 through 17, it says, come now, you who say, today and tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now, when I read this, you know, actually, when I read this for the first time, I was like, so what we're supposed to do is say, God, if you will that I walk out that door today, let it happen. I really don't think that's what's happening. I don't think he's saying every little thing that you do, I'm going to control you doing it. I think what he's saying is this. Um, imagine you're with your friends, okay? And you're hanging out, you're making plans, you're, you're having a lot of fun, and you say, hey, let's have a sleepover. Like, yeah, let's do that. So you, you get the sleepover together, and you get all the details, and then it hits you. Everything's been planned out. But you didn't ask your parents. And in that moment, you have two decisions. You can either say, hey, you know what? I'm going to sneak out of the house tonight. I'm going to come over. I don't care what parents say, okay? Or the second decision is, hey, guys, I need to ask my parents. I'm like, why? Why do they have to ask your parents? Well, they probably know what's going to happen next, and they have a better understanding of how my schedule works and the things that are going to affect me. You probably won't say all that, but that's just, it's like, I need to ask my parents. 
And that's the same thing here, is where, yes, we can go and do this or that, but God's saying, wait, 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 wait. I know it's tomorrow. I know what's happening tomorrow. Stop. Think about what you're planning on doing and come to me with it. You only can see what's in front of you. I can guide you in places that you could never understand unless you come to me. And so when we submit to God, even when we don't want to submit, we're taking time each day and stopping what we're doing and saying, okay, God, what do you want for this day? It's a discipline to do that. Just like we all have been through discipline with our parents, they disciplined us to do things the right way. And Jesus is encouraging us to, to submit ourselves and discipline ourselves to ask the questions, ask God on a regular basis so that we can submit to him, even when we don't want to, even when we don't want to. And the second thing that Jesus did, he submitted to God even when it hurts, even when it hurts. Um, being obedient to God is not easy, and he is going to ask us to do things that will hurt. And it's not because he wants us to suffer, but we live in a world where suffering exists. So just like Jesus suffered, we too will suffer in multiple ways. Um, Peter actually writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, and this is the new living version. I looked over the, the ESV and I was like, this one is good too. sort of makes it easier to understand. So verse 1 through 6 says, since Christ has suffered in his body, we must be ready to suffer also. Suffering puts an end to sin. You should no longer spend the rest of your life giving into the sinful desires of the flesh, but do what God wants as long as you live in this world. In the past, you gave enough, gave enough of your life over to living like the people who do not know God. You gave your life to sexual sins, to sinful desires, to getting drunk, went to wild parties and drinking parties, and you worshiped other gods. Those who do not know God are surprised you do not join them in the sinful things they do. They laugh at you and say bad things against you. Remember, they will give an answer to him who judges all who are living or dead. For this reason, the good news was preached to the dead. They stood in the flesh before the one who judges, so they might live in the spirit as God wants. Peter is saying that, hey, you're going to be asked to do differently than what you want. And it might hurt in the sense of it might hurt to say no to your flesh, but it also might hurt to say no to what people want you to do. It feels good to have a lot of friends. It feels good to have people, you know, next to you. But when they're asking you to do something different than the word of God, different than how God wants to bless you, it's hard to say, no, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to do that. And then when you say no to them, you're saying, yes, God, what do you want? Your word, how I should live my life, your, your plan and living it out. I mean, I don't know the specific plan that God has for you. He might have this, like, I want you to go be a missionary, or I want you to have a, you know, a million dollar a year job, or whatever it might be. I want, Jesus is saying, I want you to, to follow me when it, comes to how you live your life across the board, even when it's hard, even when they're suffering. We have to battle our wills every single day and make it a practice. So let's ask God to help us. And the way he helps us is by his spirit. 
He doesn't just say, just fight, just fight. No, no, no. He's saying, I'm going to give you my spirit. And he is going to direct you. He's going to give you strength that you just don't have. I mean, I've been there before where I'm like, God, I can't do this. And he's like, thank you for praying to me. Here, let me give you strength by my spirit. You guys have felt that before? We're just weighed down, and you want to do what's right, and the spirit's like, here, I'm going to help you. And that's the thing that the world doesn't have. We have the spirit of God. We have Jesus walking with us to help us through the suffering, to help us through the times that we doubt his goodness, to help us to submit every single day. So as we learn how to submit like Jesus and be a part of the great submission, he will let us and help us join in the great commission of leading others to salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where you're at today. I I don't know if God has asked you to do something or if you're living a life where you know, hey, I know these things in my life are not what God desires, but it's really hard to say no. And I'm just, I've just given up. I want, I want you to, to ask God for help. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. And I want you to pray to God and ask him, God, lay these things before, I'm laying these things before you. I'm laying my plan about my life and saying, God, what do you want? And then you're laying things that you really... I've tried so hard, or you've given up trying, and say, God, change me in these things. Change me in these things. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check us out on YouTube and Facebook to get to know us and see what God is doing here in Surrey. Be blessed.